Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you and helps you to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. Let's dive in. And I want to preach to you a message. I just called it Into the Deep. We just feel we're in this series called Imagine More, and we're just excited because we know that what God has in store for us as a church is only beginning. Now, it's, I think it's pretty special. We didn't plan it this way, but uh, Jackie and I came here this Sunday eight years ago. Today. Super special. And, um, and we're just grateful for all that God had done. We had no idea what God was going to do, and uh, we're only getting started. And so, Father, I pray that as we open up your word today, uh, God, that you'd speak to us, that you would reveal your heart to us, God, that we would never be the same. Lord, I thank you for the vision that you have for your church, and I pray that you'd help me to articulate it clearly um, for your name, for our good, and, uh, and that we'd really capture the heart of it today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. Well, uh, as I said, it's, it's, been, it's been such an incredible year. You know, our mission has not changed as a church. It's still the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, to go into the world and make disciples of all nations, Matthew 28, and then Mark 12, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Cool thing about the, the church is that's, that, is, all, that is, is and will always be our mission. Now, we've kind of recrafted uh, how we express that in, in like short phrases. Um, beforehand, previously, we've said we exist to move people closer to God and closer to others. But even before we clarified it that way, we, we said that we exist to help people see, love, and follow Jesus. To see, or can you click on my slide for me? Gracias. Thanks, guys. Um, to see, love, and follow Jesus. And, and so, so just over the, the last couple of years, we've been wrestling with, we, we want it to be really clear what God has called us to do and who God has called us to be. And so we actually, sometimes you, you kind of switch to something new. We actually switch back to something old. So now we're, we're clarifying our mission because we feel like, yeah, it's not so much us moving people. It's us leading people to help people see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. We feel like this puts the gospel out in front. And we never want to get away from that. Now, now, as a church, our desire is still to reach thousands of people. Like, that's just a dream that God has put in our heart. We see in the Tri-Valley here, this is a stat from 20, uh, 2020. There's 361,000 people in the Tri-Valley. Um, this does not include uh, our East Bay reach and into the valley, even out by, like, Concord area. So there's just a lot of people to reach in the Bay Area. Um, an old stat was done. There was about 30,000 church seats in the Tri-Valley, so 280,000-something people couldn't go to church if they wanted to, um, just based on the statistics right now. Uh, before the pandemic, we had 4,000 church seats in the city of Pleasanton. We know that some churches have closed down since then, but even pre-pandemic, those 4,000 seats were not filled on a Sunday, and we have a city of about 83,000 people. And so, so technically, our, our city is, is about 99% unchurched or de-churched. And so, so we, we do, we want to reach thousands. We have that dream. We believe that God wants us to have this entire building. This used to be a church at one, at one particular time, and now we're kind of incre- incrementally taking territory back. 
And so uh, we've, uh, this room that you see right now, we've extended our kids' area upstairs. So our Bible college has moved their main facility to San Jose. So we overtook their offices and uh, we're leasing it. We have an appraisal out. We're trying to purchase a couple of properties upstairs. The ones that we're leasing, we're trying to buy. Um, so we have a lot of exciting things that are, that are happening here. This wall actually goes further that way. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a much larger space. But we, we, we wanted to expand our kids' area first. How many guys know we can suffer a little bit? But we really believe God is doing something special in the next generation. And that's where we want to invest. That's what we're going after. Um, not just the, the, the young generation. If you're a part of the old generation, no, we're, we're after you too. So just saying. But, but, but this wall also, we have an opportunity to lease the other side of this, which will allow us to blow this whole thing out and, and occupy the entire downstairs. But we wanted to prioritize with kids and then... Um, as the Lord sees fit, we'll, we'll keep expanding that way. So we, we got a lot of great things in store this year. We have some new gatherings that we really believe are going to, as things have been opening up now, we are going to have some new gatherings that are going to encourage more people to, to jump into small groups. We have conferences in mind. We have retreats, uh, even like a family retreat. What about like a family camp, old school family camp? Um, like we, we have so many things. We have missions on the horizon, I finally got invited to go to our care point in Mexico. Uh, it's, we started partnering with them in 2020 or 2019, right before everything shut down. And so now we can actually go and uh, pour into the leaders and see the children that we're investing the gospel aid and food to. And we get to do that collectively as a church now. Um, there's so many exciting things, new outreaches that um, God has, has put in our heart, new equip groups um, that we're going to add to help you grow theologically um, and also in freedom. We have, uh, what, what else do we have? We have, uh, we, we have so much vision. We're, we're going to uh, plan a, a trip to Israel in 2023, so we're, that's in the works right now. If you've never been to Israel want to take you to Israel. So we're just so excited for all that God is doing, and normally that's where the vision sermon ends. This is what we're doing. Come do it with us. But that's not where we're going this year. We have a lot of exciting things, but all of those are vehicles because we're imagining so much more than that. See, when we think about like what God, what, what do you see in this next season for our church? And really, it's you. God sees you and we see you. Like, like all of those things are great. Come and do those. But all of those, if those are not a vehicle to moving you to help see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. We don't want to do anything that's not moving you in that direction. Are you guys with me on that? Like, like we, we see spiritual maturity this year. This is what we're going after. We see marriages restored and thriving on mission with an eternal perspective. We see kids, our kids, loving the church. Loving Jesus. Are you with me? We, we want to see households get saved. We're, we're not just trying to pack a house. Can I just tell you, that is not our goal. Our goal is not to, not to pack the house. We want to see people get saved. We want to see whole households get saved. We want to see singles that are set ablaze with contentment, purpose, and purity as they're in this season. We want to see a freedom in your life that you've never known. If you've been trapped in sin, we want to see you free. If you've been, if you've been bound by a hurt 
or oppressed by the enemy, we want to see you free. We want your theology to be sound. We want you to walk and live with a sound doctrine, a sound theology, so that, listen, so that when the world looks at us, it's not a theology that, that produces pride and, and Pharisees. It's a theology that pr- produces humility and life. That's what we see. We want you to grow in your leadership, in your areas of influence. We want you to grow in your relationships. Can I just tell you, if, if we are making disciples, we're not going to have to worry about our church growing. The strategy is not growth. The strategy is making disciples, investing in the church so we can go. That is my job. Paul said, Matt, your job in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So many times, though, I think it's just, as pastors, if I can just be honest, sometimes I think what we just see is the end part, the work of the ministry. But it's equipping the saints. It's your life being dramatically transformed. I'm not going to have to persuade you to reach lost people if your life is transformed by Jesus. I'm not going to have to, like, like beg you with, with, you know, tricks and gimmicks to try to get motivated. Because that's, that's going to be an overflow. And so, so growth has to be an overflow. So much so that the world looks at our life and is like, how are you so confident and sustainable and holding it together when everything else is chaotic? Like, what, what, what is your secret? We see a church that is living countercultural as we respectfully engage the culture with the good news of Jesus. Now, what does that look like? I wish I could say it's something new. Just getting back to something old. It says, they devoted themselves to early church, to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, and to breaking of bread, and to prayer. A sense of awe came over everyone, and the apostles performed many signs and wonders. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and their goods, they shared with anyone who was in need. With one accord, they continued to meet daily in the temple courts to break bread from house to house, sharing their meals with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and enjoying all the favor of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So get this picture. They were devoted to the essentials. And they were devoted together. They shared, they met, like there was real community, and it was sincere. It wasn't fake. I don't want to pastor a fake church. We've never been a fake church. And we don't want to become a fake church. We want to be devoted together with sincerity. And the Lord says, that type of environment, I can trust. I'll add to your number daily those who are being saved. And so, so when we grow, when our life is changing, listen, get, get this picture. When we grow and our life is changing, we're growing more and more into the image of Jesus. The game changes. The Lord says, I can trust that environment. That in and of itself leads to growth. Now, can I just tell you, growth, just spiritual maturity doesn't mean time. Like you could be saved 40 years and still be immature. It's like being on a job for 20 years, but you only have one year experience. Are you with me on that? So we're talking about real life change. And from that, there's an, there's an overflow. See, we don't want mechanical growth here. We don't want mechanical change in our lives. 
Like you try to take, take a dead rose and staple it to a vine, it's going to look pretty for about two weeks. That's called mechanical growth. We don't want mechanical growth for our, for our life because that's not the gospel. The gospel isn't behavior modification. It's heart transformation. And it's when our heart is transformed that it transforms our behavior in the way that we live. Are you with me? It's not somebody just giving us a list. Don't do this. Don't do that. No, no, no. It's when the Spirit of God transforms our heart, renews our mind through the Word of God, that all of a sudden we start seeing, desiring totally different. And now it's not a rule because the, the, the law now was written in our heart. It's something we delight in. And it's from that overflow that our behavior is transformed. We do not want mechanical transformation as a church. We don't want mechanical growth as a church. We want it to be real. So listen, don't get me wrong. We unapologetically want to grow as a church, but growth is not the focus. Growing the church is not the focus. Growing people always has to be the focus. And it's a wordplay. You can say, well, we are the church. I know that. That's my point. And so, so Moses and Jethro, there's, there's a, a Moses and Jethro principle that we see um, in the Old Testament. And, and the idea was this. Moses had led a couple of million people out of the uh, out of Egypt and on their way to the promised land and people have problems that they need help with and they need counseling and they need coaching and they need people to solve disputes and so Moses was the guy and so you can imagine for like a couple million people Moses gets up in the morning sits on the chair and he's like all right next and so you can imagine how long that line is people would die in line it's like their problem is not a problem anymore because they're dead they it's been like two years, Moses, and I'm still waiting. And so, so what happens is, is, is his father-in-law looks at Moses and says, Moses, this is not good. It's not good for you, and it's not good for the people. you got to appoint some godly men to help you oversee. And so that's exactly what Moses does, and, and it takes the, the weight off of just Moses doing the work, and, and then people are, are being cared for. You know, a lot of times when that's preached, can I just be honest with you? I've even preached it along these lines, and, and I'm sorry. That, that passage is not preached to scale for growth. That passage is preached. Jethro was saying, no, you have to scale to care. That's totally different. Like, like let, let that sink in. It's not like, oh, just scale to grow so you can be freed up so we can grow this thing. No, no, no. It's, it's, no, you need to scale so you can really care for people. That's totally different. And so, so we want you to be great um, at whatever it is that you're doing, whether you're serving here or whether you're on your job or you're in your house. We want you to love what you do. If you're serving here at Fountain, we want you to love and be great at working a camera, or working with kids, or on our guest service team, or, or uh, if, if you're an usher, or set up and tear down, or welcome team, whatever you're a part of, or if you're a mom at home, or if you're a, 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 a single parent dad, we want you to be great. If you're in a career, whatever it is that you're doing, we want you to love and be great. But, but I want you to, to really lean in and, and let this sink in, is that the most important thing is not what we're doing. The most important thing is who we're becoming. That's the most important thing. What profits a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? And so, so listen, I don't want us to lose our soul, and I don't want our church to lose its soul. What profits if we have it all, but we lose our very soul? And so, you know, every single week, 
I get to talk to people, new people that are coming to our church. In our Connect class, step one, I stay sometimes till 4 p.m. We start at 1. Sometimes we get out of here at 4 because it's, it's a time where people can just ask me questions. Tell me about this. Tell me about your life. Tell me, because if, if I'm going to be your pastor, it's kind of a, a place where, man, we can sit down, and it's normally a small group, normally no more than five of us. Maybe 12 sometimes, sometimes it's only two, sometimes it's only me, Pastor Chris, and one other person. And Pastor Chris is there to make sure, you know, we're accountable. And, and so I, I want you to get this picture. When I ask them, why our church? Because you could go to any other church on the planet, but you, for some reason, are investigating our church. Why? And very rarely do they say it's your messages. Are you're just messages. <laughs> like sometimes that, that, that trickles through, and I'm grateful for that. But normally it's this. Normally it's I sense the presence of God here. Like the spirit of the Lord is here. And, and then their, their, second, their second thought is, is it's, it's you. It's the people. It's when they step on campus, they really feel like it's authentic. It, it's real. Like you're really great. You're really glad to see me. I'm not just holding a sign that says it. Like I, I know you're really glad to see me. And then from the greet... From the street to the greed to the seat, the gospel is authentically being preached. I mean, think about this. Before people even hear what I have to say, they touch at least 10 of you. And so how, it's not just about what we do, it's, it's, it's who we are. Because people are going to forget what I say. So, I mean, especially if they're checking out a church, like they're, they're looking at the whole thing. They may forget what I say. God's word never returns void. I'm not saying, you know, that they're going to forget what God has deposited. And I'm not saying that. But, 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 but sometimes, like if, what did I preach five weeks ago? You're going to have to think about it for a minute, right? You have to bust out your little notebooks. What did you preach on, right? And so sometimes they may forget what we say in the moment, but they never forget how we make them feel. I remember Jackie and I, we were going to a play at a particular church, and uh, this was a long time ago, and we were going in, and I can't even tell you what the play was about. Truthfully, I don't even know. I don't know if it was Easter, Christmas. I don't know when it was. I don't know if it was like a special production. I don't know what it was. I think maybe one of our students in youth ministry had something going on. I don't remember anything about the play, but I remember how rude the usher was to us. <laughs> and I was like, bro, I'm a pastor. <laughs> and I told our serve team, like, so arrogant as a youth pastor, like, bro, you know who I am? like, no, I really don't. I really don't care. You can't sit there. Um, and so, so we, we want to continue to create gospel environments so people can flourish. Not mechanical environments. Gospel environments so people can flourish. Now, this is a picture of Death Valley. If you know the history of Death Valley, you'll know that the reason why they call it Death Valley is because at one point they did not believe that anything could grow here. They thought that it was totally barren. And then 2004... Um, it got seven inches of rain. A couple months later, this is what it looked like. And, and they called it the, the super bloom. I, it, it was random. Now it's happened, I think, several times since then. But I thought, man, what a great picture. There was always seed in the ground. It just needed the proper environment. It just needed to be watered. And I think there, 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 was, there was so much potential. There was so much potential in the earth. But it just needed the proper environment it, so, so that it, it could flourish. And when people walk into our church, when you walk into our church, as, we, as people encounter us at work, at school, in our areas of influence, we want it to be a gospel-centered environment where, where death is, is coming to life. 
where, where nothing is coming into something. You say, well, well, how does this all work then? Well, Jesus says it this way. Um, it's not Acts chapter 2. This is from the Gospels. That's a typo. Jesus says this. He says, uh, he also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and it grows. Though he does not know how. It's like, it's a mystery. John MacArthur says it this way. We plant, we water, and then we sleep. Because only God can make it grow. He says, all by itself, the soil produces grain. Interesting. First the stock, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Can I just tell you, man, sometimes we get so excited about scattering seed. We get so excited about reaping the harvest. But we don't get excited enough about the soil. Now, now this, is, this is an environment, it, it grows all by itself. It, it, it's a soil that is hospitable to the word of God. Now, it's interesting, Jesus just comes out of preaching um, the parable of the sower, so he refers to the seed being the word of God and the soil being the condition of our hearts. And so a lot of times we get excited, scatter, we want to reap. But the mystery is in the soil. Like if we're going to be passionate about the harvest, we have to be passionate about the soil. This is where, where the grain is produced. So how does it grow? It's not just me throwing seed out or you throwing seed out all the time. It's not just those reaping the harvest. No, it's we have to love the soil. It's the condition of our heart. In other words, let me say it like this. The soil of our church will be determined by the soil of our heart. Are you hearing me today? When the environment is good here, it's going to be great here. When the environment is healthy here, it's going to be healthy here. And in healthy soil, what happens? It grows. Now, don't get me wrong. You can grow something unhealthy. We got miracle grow. Some of you guys use it. It's cheating. Like, like think, think about this today. We have to take so many different supplements because we don't have the nutrients in our food that we used to. Why? Because we stopped paying attention to the soil. We don't let the soil rest anymore. Biblical times, they would let the soil rest so nutrients can be brought back in. But now we're mass production. It's like, boom, just go. Miracle grow. Anybody got some steroids? And that thing grows big. Then we walk in the store, we're like, that should not be a strawberry. It's like that big. And so just because, listen, listen, I'm all about, listen, I'm not knocking big. I'm not. I'm not, I'm, I'm not knocking big church. I'm not. We want to grow as a church. So hear me clearly on that. But, but what, I, what I am knocking is, is not healthy. It, is we, we, want, we want the nutrients to be there. We don't want quick fixes. We don't want just, you know, quick little tricks or gimmicks. Like We want it to be real. It's always who we've been, and that's who we have to continue to be. So how do you create great soil? Like, how do you create, how do you create great soil in our church, in our homes, in your business? 
Sometimes I think like some business leaders, like they've caught Jesus's principle and they may not be walking with the Lord, but they understand servant leadership and it's transformed companies. But, but how, how, do we, how do we create this type of soil? The truth of the matter is this. You can't create the soil. You have to be the soil. Like God is still looks at us as his plan A to go into the world and make disciples to reach people. So how, how do we reach people? Is it buildings? No. If we did not have a building, we'd figure out how to be the church still in this city. Grateful for it. We're not against buildings. But again, it's, it, it, it's a vehicle. We'd figure it out. Sunday mornings. Like, what if Sundays were gone? In Iran, they don't get together like this on Sunday. They're figuring out it's the fastest growing church per capita in the world. Small groups, connect class, serve team, in and of themselves, those are all great stuff. Listen, those are all amazing things. But they're vehicles. Invite cards, finances. They're all vehicles. And how many of you guys know the vehicles, I don't know about your car, you may have a lot, I mean, you, you, some of your vehicles may drive themselves. I don't have that luxury, I have a Yaris. Some of your, some of your, some of your vehicles may, hey, but nobody's hating on me now, 40 miles a gallon. Come on, somebody, with no payment. Let's go. But, 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 but can I just, can I tell you this? Is that the vehicle is only good as the person driving. So, so, like, if we want to be a worshiping church, we have to be worshipers. If we want a praying church, we have to be people that pray. If we're going to make disciples, we actually have to be disciples. Like, there's nothing worse. Listen, there's nothing worse than there's a difference between a tour guide and a travel agent. Right? The travel agent's like, hey, this is where you need to go. I ain't going there. But you should go there. The tour guide's like, hey, let me show you the way. Like, we're not called to be travel agents, spiritual travel agents. We are called to make disciples. If we're going to make disciples, we have to be disciples. If we want a healthy church, we have to be healthy soil. So the question is this. So what do we need to be? What do we need to be? The first one is this, because I don't want to run out of time. First one is this, is we need to be with Jesus. If this ever gets old to you, you're losing your way. We need to be with Jesus. Being with Jesus can make up for a, a, a lot of our lack. Being with Jesus changes everything. I was once, a, a pastor was once asked, there, there was a, a pastor in a city that was having an affair for like two years. And it wasn't in the mainland, it was in one of the islands. And, uh, and he sat down with that pastor and he said, man, how did you do it every week. Like, how'd you get in the pulpit and preach every single week like that? And he said, oh man, it was, it was, it was, it was easy. I would just take the scripture and I just knew how to do this. But what I stopped doing was this. It's a big difference. See, Peter and John are preaching boldly. Like salvation is found in nobody else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And the Pharisees are like, who are these guys? And it says this, it says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. And they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. Like, how are you unschooled and so ordinary but that? What is that? 
It's almost like, you know, there, there was this idea. They, they looked at Jesus like, man, you're preaching with power and authority. And the Pharisees were like, we don't preach like that. And I think when they saw John, they're like, they're doing the same thing. There's power and authority with which they speak. What? So what does it mean to be with Jesus? And I went through uh, the Gospels recently, and you just see a plethora of things. They, they sat with him. They listened. They put into practice. Jesus is always like, go and try. Now you go. They put into practice what he said. They were corrected. And then they were corrected. And then they were corrected. And then they sought to understand. They were challenged when they sat with Jesus. They blew it. And they blew it. And they blew it. And then they asked questions. They trusted him. They loved him. They were honest with him, awkward at times with him. Like, I don't know, what, what are we doing here? Kind of, you know, there was still some mystery at times. that They just didn't know what was happening. They, they missed it. They, I mean, Jesus told them so many times, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to be delivered to the, into the hands of sinful men. Like, the cross is coming, and they're just like, I want to sit at your right hand. I'm like, dude, over and over and over, they just never got it. And then it happened, and they scattered and trying to figure life out. But all along, we just see the only time they got in trouble is when they were not with him. Except Peter was with him and cut off a dude's ear, but that's still, like, he thought he was doing the right thing. You know what I mean? Well, he was trying. And so, so in, in Luke chapter, in Luke chapter 5, there, there's this, this picture, Jesus is really getting ready. He's befriended the disciples, but he's really getting ready to call them to the next step. And uh, so there's this moment where Peter and the boys have been fishing all night, hadn't caught a thing. And Jesus says, hey, Pete, can I use your boat? You know, press out into the water a little bit, get a better little echo, little surround sound going on so he can preach to the crowds. And Peter's like, yeah, go ahead. And, and, and we have this moment happen. He says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught a thing. Like we've been fishing all night and haven't caught a thing. Haven't caught anything. Anybody have just worked so hard and just like, it's not working. But he was with Jesus. He was with Jesus. Can I just tell you, if, if, if Peter was not with Jesus in this moment, he would have settled for nothing. I don't want you to settle for nothing this year. I don't want you to settle for nothing in this season. Hey, I've been trying, been working all night. Like, Invite Jesus into that space. Let him speak into the barrenness, into the emptiness. Let him challenge your thinking. Because this, this word deep, he says, I want you to let down your nets for a catch. I want you to go out to the, to the deep water. Now, now deep, it, it, it's, I've never done a word study on this, but I did it for this message. And it's awesome because it means fullness. It means immensity, an extreme degree, profundities. I did not even know what profundities meant. <laughs> deep laid plans. And profundities means deep insight, a great depth of knowledge or thought. And he's saying, Pete, there's, there's so much more. I know normally in the day you would fish in the shallow. But I want you to go to the deep. 
I don't want you to settle for an empty net. I want you to go into the deep. Jesus was saying this, Peter, you're not fishing in fullness. You're not fishing in fullness. There's, there's something so much more that I have for you. And so, so what, is, what does Peter do? Peter starts to respond. And he gave a right response. But can I just tell you, I, I really, really feel and am impressed by God to say, listen, don't settle this year. Don't, don't worry, they're not leaving. They're part of our serve team. They're not like walking out of my message. They, they love me. We're, we're doing life together. Um, Everybody's like, dang, did he offend him? What is going on? Wow. Um, and and so, 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 so Jesus is saying this, there's so much more for you. Like, I want you to go after your freedom this year in a way that you've never heard. Go into the deep. Go into deeper waters. Don't fish in the shallow this year. Fish in the fullness this year. That's where I believe God is calling us to, to throw our nets. To fish in the fullness. I don't want you to settle. I want there to be an extreme degree. I want you to go after all that I have for you. I want you to be more vulnerable than you've ever been. Like, like I want you to know me at a greater depth that you've never known. I want you to be with me. Can I just tell you, if, if, if you're with him, your immensity and extreme degree of a heart will go after people who don't know Jesus like crazy. But it starts with the soil, and it's complicated, and it's complex. I, I, was, I was at a, uh, at a conference one time, and I heard Margaret Heffern speak. She's an older woman. She was the CEO of five major tech companies. And, and the question was asked, how do we navigate in the times that we're living in now post-whatever pandemic? She said, well, you're going to have to understand the difference between complicated and complex, she said, complicated is uh, when you go to an airport, you get out of the car, and somebody's there to check in your luggage, they put a little tag on it, they put it on a little conveyor belt, it goes back to the back room, somebody there grabs it, puts it on a cart, somebody drives the cart to a group of people that are going to take them off the cart and load the plane. She said, that's complicated. In, in complicated systems, you always want to make sure you're efficient. Time is of the essence. You want to be efficient. You want it to work smoothly. You want it to... You want it to work well. You want to be efficient in all of those things. But she said efficiency is not your friend in complexity. She said, for example, when the plane goes up in the air, it's complex because there's a lot less outside of your control. And she said, so why do you think planes have three extra engines on them that they don't need? Because efficiency is not their friend. Because if that plane goes down, it's detrimental to everything. And so she said, you have to learn the difference between being efficient in what's complicated and what's complex. Like, you're going to have to invest that sometimes is beyond reasonable. And our relationship, our witness with Jesus, it's complex. Like, if that goes down, everything goes down. The soil gets contaminated. Nothing good grows. And so the Lord is asking us to go beyond a Sunday. It's got to go beyond a small group. Those are vehicles that lead to help you see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. Listen, I know you've been fishing all night, Jesus said to Peter, but I want you to imagine more. I got, I got more for you. The second thing is this. I want you to not only be with Jesus, but be supernatural. Like, we don't want to look for supernatural moments. We want to live a supernatural life. 
Because there are some things that are just bigger than our natural means to solve things today. Are you tracking with me on that? Now, once I say supernatural, some of you guys are like, oh, he's going to get weird. I'm really not going to get weird. If you know me, I'm not a weird guy. But I am a supernatural guy. But it's not sometimes my default. So, well, what do you mean? I'll give you an example. Um, We were in Kauai, and we're hiking up this beautiful canyon. It's about a four-mile hike. We have our kids with us. We're already scared that we're not going to make it back. I'm going to have to carry Hannah because... It's four miles, like round trip. And so, but our kids are doing super good and and we're up really, really high. It's dangerous. There's cliffs everywhere. And all of a sudden it starts to rain or or it starts to like a cloud comes over and we start to feel some sprinkles. And so right away I'm like, kids, brace up. It's going to rain. And Jackie's like, oh, heck no, it's not going to rain. Lord, I speak to that cloud in the name of Jesus, right? No joke. Jackie starts praying that the cloud would move, and it does. And my kids are like, whoa! Dude, mom prayed, and it didn't, stop, it didn't start to rain until we got in the car, down the mountain, totally say, I was just going to settle for a natural means. And I think so many of us, we just settle like, this is just the way it is. It's just going to be like that. Oh, well. But how about we start supernatural? And then, it, and then if that doesn't work, then maybe God wants us to pay attention to something in the natural. Like, like if, if, if you have a headache and you pray for it, it doesn't go away, then the Lord may be saying, hey, just take some Advil. <laughs> but why don't we start supernaturally? Like, just get our priorities in order. Some things are, are just physical things, and some things God's like, no, I, want, I don't want you to settle that. This is just the way it is. Speak to that rock. Speak to that sun. You need some more daylight? Joshua, speak to that sun. I want that, did that cloud form? Go look again. Go look again. Go look again. Go, you see it yet? Go look again. Go look again. Finally, he's like, dude, I see it. Like, there's, a, there's really a cloud that's coming. And I'm not trying to hype you. I'm saying this is the Bible. And sometimes we get polarized because people get way on the extreme over here. They get way on the extreme. So then we just get afraid of everything and we just live a settled life. That's not what God has called us to do. It says, it says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water. Let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night. Hadn't caught anything, but because you say so. Now, this is interesting. The New King James Version says, I will let down the net. This is the NIV. But the New King James says, he only let down one net. Huh. And when you go back into the original manuscripts, it seems like that's probably more consistent. So it's like, Jesus, you, or Peter, you kind of had like a little halfway, like you threw one net. But, but, but kudos to Peter because, listen, supernatural is not weird. It's as simple as saying yes to, to God's word. That's all he did. Jesus told him what to do. Peter said, I think it's ridiculous, but I'm going to do it. I don't think it's going to work because it contradicts everything that I know to be true about fishing. I'm the expert, not you. You asked to use my boat, Remember? Well, because you say so, I'm going to go. And so supernatural, it's not this big like, okay, I got to call you. Just say yes to him. Just say yes to his word. And you're going to start to see God move. Some of us are waiting to see God move for our faith to be built. No, say yes to his word. You'll see God move. It'll build your faith and it'll start to build others' faith. Because my kids are like, dad, mom is more spiritual than you. (laughs) And they're never going to forget that it has an impact on others. In fact, the net was, the, the, the catch was so big. Look what happened. 
This is the King James Version. He says, launch out your bow into the deep, let down your nets. Master, we've told all night, haven't caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught such a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So I'm just saying, could it be that sometimes, listen, we have that half-hearted yes? And God's like, no, 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 that, that half-hearted is not going to be able to encompass the whole thing. Wow. I throw all your nets in, Pete. Wow. Throw them all in. Starting to break. Can't contain the miracle. Come on, how many? That's a, that's a good day. That's a good fishing day. Yeah. But, but it, it led to this beautiful picture of being connectors. So, so we got to be with Jesus. We have to be supernatural. We have to be connectors. Good. You know, God was, there was a fullness of what God was doing in this story. A fullness. And then the people, like, you could imagine the fishermen on the side, Peter's boys were like, oh my goodness, look at that catch. And Peter's like, yeah, yeah, you're about to be a part of it. Like, like, I want you to come look at it. It said, so their nets began to break, so they signaled to their partners in the other boat, come and help, to, to come and help them. And they came and both boats were full and began to sink. I wonder if they had three. I wonder if they had four boats. I wonder if they had five boats. What would have happened? You know, Andrew, um, Andrew Z, he's, he's a part of our, our young adults group. We were talking after a small group on Tuesday, and he's a mechanic, and he works on like semis and diesels. And, uh, and he said, yeah, you know, what we do is we, we replace parts before they break. I'm like, well, dude, how do you even know? He's like, we just have to, it was just time. He said, when I first started, I was trying to make the connections and I couldn't because it was just, there's a lot to learn. But he said, now I just know it's a Volvo, like 2004. It's going to need a, a water pump. And so he just, he's so connected. And what does it do? It's because it's, it's complex because they want to keep the, 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 the semis on the road. So they don't want it to break down and then fix it. No, they want to, they want to keep it, keep it going. They, they don't want to just wait for, you know, tragedy to happen. They're like, no, let's, let's. Let's figure it out on the journey. And so can I just tell you the best way you and I can connect is by caring for people. Like we're going to expand. Yes, building, Lord willing, right? All these things that God has, missions, Israel, conferences, retreat, all, all that, that's great. But if we're not caring for people and really making disciples, figuring out like what, 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 do, they, what do they need? We, we, we see that. You're kind of on the sidelines. We want you to experience the fullness with us. But I tell you what, if Peter had an empty boat, he's like, hey, come on. They're going to be like, man, we're good. But when people see fullness, they're like, we're coming. We're going to throw out our nets too and see what happens, right? We, got, we, we have to learn how, how, how to care for people. So I just put together this simple thing during the pandemic, and I feel like God said, come back to it. And we just made phone calls. We called everybody in our church. If you didn't get a phone call, it's just because we didn't have your information. But we just kept calling over and over, just, hey, how are you making just, how's it going? You know how far a phone call goes today? And then I would, we would just ask questions. Hey, how can I pray for you? How are you doing? What's going on? Just, just a simple, we call people that don't even go to our church anymore. They're like, for real? You're calling us? We're like, yeah, we still care. You may not go here, but we were never attached by a building where it's the kingdom, right? Make the connection. Ask the question. It's so simple. And then you can resource them. It's, we, we found out what was wrong, and we found out a lot of people were in need, so we started a Facebook page where everybody can start to resource one another. It was amazing. 
Just because we ask some questions and you kind of identify where are people at? Like making disciples isn't hard. It's like, where are you at spiritually? And let me help you take a next step. Let me help resource you. But we don't want people to feel like cattle where it's like, all right, like this is your next step. It's like, no, like first call, ask some questions. Like get into their life a little bit. And if you're not on our serve team, that's fine. Like you have a family, you have influence. Like get into their life. Find out what they need and then be a source of encouragement. Be a source of encouragement for them. Encourage them on the journey. So many, listen, encouragement goes so far these days. I know it sounds so simple, but when a person who's full of the Spirit is making a call and asking questions and resourcing, I'm just telling you, God does something in the midst of that. Make the connection, check in, reach out. And this is what happened. Biggest catch of their life, Peter gets a revelation on this journey. It was not about the fish, ladies and gentlemen. It was about who Peter was becoming. That's what, the, that, that's what the whole picture is about. There's a lot of examples we can pull from this. I don't have time to preach. I'm already over my time. But it wasn't about what they were doing. It was about who Peter was becoming. Because what did he do? He, Peter's like, Oh my goodness, the biggest cat. Come on, let's, this is amazing. All of a sudden, in the midst of it, he just sees the, he just feels the overwhelming sense of God's kindness and God's presence because he's with him. There's a supernatural moment taking place. Peter's making the connection. And he gets on his knees and he's like, Do you know me? Get away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful, I don't, I don't deserve, I got nothing to offer you. I got nothing to offer you. And, and I, I love the Lord's response. He says, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Another part of the gospel says, from now on, says, I will make you into a fisher of men. It was all about the making. It was all about who they were becoming. And, and you know what this says? It said they left all the catch. They left their nets and their boat, everything behind, and they followed Jesus. It's never about the, they thought that was the dream for a fisherman, but Peter's like, I have a revelation. That's not the dream no more. You're it. And I'm following you wholeheartedly. I see clearly. And the way you loved me, I'm loving you. And now I'm going to follow you wholeheartedly. Let's go catch men. Whatever that means. <laughs> so let me pray for us. Actually, let me look at one thing. One more thing. So to sum it all up, this is what we're going to be devoted to this year. This is it. All our vehicles are going to point to this. Devoted, together, sharing, meeting, like we want real Christ-centered community to happen. If you're depending on a Sunday or a small group for community, those are vehicles. They're not destinations. You're going to have to engage with people. It's, sometimes it takes time. Remember, the, the kingdom of God, I love how Jesus said it. It's, it's, it, it the, the, the seed is, is, is deposited, and then it, then it takes some time. And in the midst of adversity, this thing starts to slowly blossom. In the midst of weather conditions, it starts to slowly blossom before there's a harvest. So I know we'd like to get right to the thick of things so quickly. 
But man, these are all vehicles. Because you can go to a small group, you can be on our serve team, you come every Sunday and be spiritually immature. We're just, try, we're just trying to use those things as aspects to help you grow closer to Jesus. And then, then it's got to be sincere. Again, we want it to be real. I want you to really grow and love and follow Jesus. That's who we are as a church. And we can't lose that. And then I'm going to leave this part. We're going to leave this part to the Lord. We're going to leave that part to the Lord. I'm not a hater on growth. I want our church to be thousands. I just want it to be right. I want it to be healthy. And however God wants us to multiply that and do that, I want to make sure that we're being faithful and obedient to all that he's called us to do. That our soil is so rich. It's like you just plant it and it just blossoms. People are like, man, dead things come alive there. What's happening? See, love, and follow Jesus. That's the secret. Let me pray for us. Father, as we go today, I just ask, Lord, seal this word in our hearts. Holy Spirit, speak what you need to speak to each and every one of us. We love you and we need you. We want it your way. This is your church. It's not about what we're doing. It's, it's important. But more importantly, it's who we're becoming. And we want to become more like you. So change us from the inside out. We don't want to be a place of debauchery. We don't want to be a place of Pharisees. We want to be a place that's authentically following and loving you, loving people on mission with you. You told Moses, don't worry, I'll be with you. You told Gideon, don't worry, I'll be with you. And you told us, as you told the disciples, as you're on mission together, I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. Witness is our goal. Supernatural will be our life. And connection, we're really going to care for people, God. Help us to do that. Help us to scale to care. In Jesus' name. Thank you again for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast, where our heart is to lead people to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. You can also find more content by following us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and by downloading our app.